I love that phrase, heaven is a party. Come join the celebration. We are here to celebrate the goodness of God this morning. We're here to celebrate the good news that he's given us in his son, Jesus. My name is Kurt. I'm one of the pastors here. A special welcome to you. If you're visiting with us uh, this morning, either maybe a first time or a second time guest, we would encourage you, fill out the Connect card. It's one of the ways that we can get to know you. And if you'd be willing to turn in a Connect card at the Welcome Center out in the lobby, we have a special little gift to give to you this morning. It's just our way of saying thanks for coming out to church, and we're glad that you're here and help you to figure out if you're willing and interested in how you can take a next step to get involved here at the church. We have some lovely and talented Welcome Center hosts that would be happy to greet you and tell you more about our church. This is an exciting time to be a part of Faith Covenant Church. Tonight, as Pastor Dick shared, is our vision launch party. We've been telling you every week this uh, fall about this party that's coming up. It's a time for us to share with you all the things that God is putting on our heart. And it's going to be six o'clock right here in the sanctuary. Uh, Talk about a celebration. It's going to be a party. And we're going to celebrate God and celebrate his goodness. And we're going to come together as a faith community and talk about how we can be uniting together on this mission that God has given us to share the good news of Jesus, not only with one another, but with all those who are in desperate need of good news in their lives. On Sunday mornings uh, in September, we've been talking about the biblical foundation for this mission and this vision that God is giving us. And the way we've been talking about it is right there on the wall. It's real life together, connecting growing and serving. And when we talk about living real life together, what what we've been saying is that we recognize that we are real people who who are, are serving a real God who's given us a real mission to fulfill. And we talk about being real people, we recognize that the Christian life isn't about how good we are, but it's about how good God is. That we're all broken people in need of God's mercy and his grace. God's healing is for each one of us, and we are simply inviting people on a journey with Jesus to come together on this journey of faith and to walk this road that we call discipleship to Jesus in community where we can lift one another up and encourage one another on the road. We serve a real God. We believe that Jesus reveals God to us. That that in Christ, we have a real relationship with a living God who is present and active in our lives and in the world today. And because of, of this real relationship with Jesus, because we are followers of a living Christ who gave his life but then rose from the dead so that we could have this relationship with God, we believe that he's given us a real mission to fulfill. We believe that the mission of the church is very clear. Jesus said it very simply, right? Love God and love your neighbor. Love God in that vertical relationship and and then let it overflow to the love of those around you. Not only those who you know and are part of your family and even part of your church, but to those of your neighbors who you live with in your neighborhood, those you work with in your workplace, the students that you study with in school. Share the good news of your life and help others to live that good news in their lives as well. To live this out together, we have created what we're calling our discipleship pathway, which looks like connecting, growing, and serving. And we've been talking about each of those on these Sunday mornings in September. This, this idea of connecting, growing, and serving being a, a pathway that we're walking together becomes kind of what we're calling a recurring life cycle of discipleship. 
It it, it keeps us from getting stuck in our own personal walk with Jesus, and it gives us uh, momentum as a church to keep growing and moving forward into the mission that God has given us because when we begin to connect with one another and we grow in our faith and we learn how to use the gifts that God has given us in service to others, that leads to greater connection and more growth and and wider service. And so it becomes this life-generating cycle led by the Holy Spirit as we, as we com- give our hearts together to this journey of walking in a life-transforming walk with Christ. Not only is it important, we've been saying, that we have a clear pathway for connecting people who come to church in relationship with one another, but it's important that we as a church get good at connecting with people who don't go to church. We need to be building bridges of relationship with people who are out there in our community who are far from God because they need that kind of relationship, and they need to learn what it means to grow as God designed and formed us and and to be able to serve with the gifts that they have as well. We recognize that in our calling to make disciples, We have to have a clear and intentional plan and a pathway for how we move forward together as a church. And as we learn to live out this calling we have from God, we discover that God gives each of us gifts and a passion for serving others and loving those around us, for loving our neighbor, as Jesus said, and how we can begin to do that more and more effectively as we join together in this mission as a church. Ultimately, serving is the the third step then in this vision that we believe God is giving us. And if you think about it, serving becomes the outward goal of the discipleship pathway, right? It's not just for our own growth and development, but ultimately, if we want to grow as disciples, we begin to understand that that God meets us in the place where we step out to serve someone else. He he shows up through his spirit, and, and people call that the gift of the spirit, right? God gifts us with his presence and gives us ability and powers to, to, to share that love in ways that maybe we couldn't have thought of before, that maybe in our own strength we couldn't have done uh, on our own. You see, the mission of the church has always lived out in this vertical and this horizontal dimension together. Loving God and loving neighbor, Jesus said, is the, is the, the crux of, of what God wants us to understand about the life that he's called us to live. Now, we we've have to recognize that when Jesus talks about loving our neighbor, he, he doesn't just mean the person sitting next to you in church on Sunday morning, right? He doesn't just mean the person who's living next door to you in your neighborhood, even though that, that is an important piece of, of the, our loving our neighbor. He means to, to be able to have eyes to see those in our community around us who might be in need of, of some loving care, some loving service. And it's as we have eyes to see those places of need where we can step in and serve that God says that those are the places where he can open the door to the human heart, to allow people who don't know Jesus to begin to see the presence and the power of God in the world. He's often talking about loving people that we don't often normally associate with. And I'd like to suggest for you this morning that as we move forward as a church into this new season of life, this is going to be one of the biggest challenges that you and I need to face, that we as the the followers of Jesus have to recognize that part of our call is to be willing to associate with people that we don't normally associate with. I'm going to turn your attention to Luke chapter 10. Excuse me. And uh, in there, Jesus was being peppered by the religious leaders and tested in, in his teaching. 
And he actually was talking about this great commandment to love God and love others. And it says in verse 25, on one occasion, an expert in the law, this is a, a religious expert, stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied, how do you read it? And he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied, do this and you will live. But he, wanting to justify himself, so he was wanting to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, and he goes on to tell a story. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for an extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Now, if you're familiar with this story, if you've grown up in the church, you've probably heard the story of the Good Samaritan. We even have Good Samaritan laws in our culture now, right? Uh, and, and so in many ways, we're, we're, we're overexposed to this story of the Good Samaritan. But what I want to suggest for us this morning is, is that Jesus is, is very simply with this story getting us to focus on what are the most challenging and difficult parts of being a Christian. And that means getting out of our comfort zone, giving up our own wants and preferences, and being willing to step out and take a risk and serve somebody that isn't like us, that isn't a part of our everyday life, that that doesn't necessarily have it all together, religiously speaking, that might not look like we look. But see, it's so easy to get into our ruts of our comfort zones and to associate with those who we know care about us and love us, to to focus on our own creaturely comforts and the things that we want, that, that it's easy to miss this last step in the discipleship journey, that the whole goal of connecting and growing is so that we can be empowered to serve others that God would send us to serve so that we share the good news, not just with what we say we believe, but with our hands and our feet as well. Jesus is reminding us that it isn't enough to say that we value people and that we love our neighbor. We're called to seek out the welfare of those in our community who are less than fortunate, who are struggling to make ends meet, who maybe don't have the same privileges and the rights that we've all grown up with, but that are, are desperately wanting to live the American dream just like each one of us. But are we willing to have eyes to see and to recognize that even in uh, 21st century American culture, we live in a society that is broken and in desperate need of love and help? See, I think God has given us the greatest gifts to answer the world's deepest problems. The problem is they're all tied up inside the church. 
do we open the doors and let the gifts of the Spirit free to go out into the world to make a difference and to show the world that God is alive and well and living on planet Earth? See, in this story, Jesus is expanding the understanding of who God is. And he's setting the stage, even in this early, these early years, that God isn't just the God of the Jews, but God is the God for everybody. That everyone is invited to the party and that those who become followers of Jesus are the ones who are called to model this open invitation and this free gift that God has given us through his son, Jesus Christ. Two weeks ago, the staff and some of our leaders in, in, in some of our uh, next-gen ministries and even some of our leadership team members had a chance to go to the Orange Tour together. This is a, a, an annual daily workshop that uh, comes around. Uh, it's part of the children and student ministries that, that, that comes out of uh, this new program called Orange, where it's taking uh, the, the heart of the church, which is red, and the light of the gospel. I'm sorry, the heart of the family, which is red, and the, the light of the gospel, which is the church, and, and bringing them together to create the color orange, right? So it's this, it's this unity of what happens in church with what happens in the home. And, and, and one of the things that was so attractive about this for us as a church is that this year, their theme was, we are for our neighbors. And so we went because we wanted to hear, what does it mean in, as we think about children's ministry and student ministry and even you know, broader church life, that, that we are for our neighbors? And they talked about this parable, and they helped us to understand that, that even when we talk about our children and our kids, serving has to be a key part of our understanding of what this discipleship thing is that we were called to do. They, they encouraged us to ask some important questions of ourselves. Uh, are we modeling as church people for our kids a life of sacrificial service to the community around us? Are we coaching a new generation to live out their life in God in ways that make a difference in the world? Are we actually engaged in service to our neighbors? If not, they said, what are the obstacles? What is it that's preventing us from living out this gospel message, this, this mission that God has given us in Jesus? And they suggest, A, number one, it's maybe not be a priority in our lives. You know, it might be important to God, but it's just not that important to us. They also suggest that sometimes it's easier to teach principles and concepts than to coach and train other people how to do it. Maybe it's not how we measure success as a church. Maybe, maybe it's more important how many people are in the, the sanctuary on Sunday morning than how many people's lives we're impacting out there in the world. It takes more time and effort to actually go out and serve somebody, right, than to just come to church for an hour on Sunday morning. Maybe another one is that it's messy. And it's risky. And we like things neat and clean and clear. And it's really tough for us to begin to live with ambiguity and, and messiness in our lives. So if God is calling us as a church to, to live into the idea of serving and loving our neighbor, how do we begin to take steps to do that? Uh, number one is, I'd like to suggest, and this is one of the things they talked about at the Orange Conference as well, we have to recognize that service is discipleship. Service is discipleship. You can't have discipleship to Jesus if you don't have the ultimate outcome of using the gifts that God has given you to serve someone else. 
The second thing is that we can best teach and train people in this lifestyle of service if we begin understanding that we have to train them in ministry as we go through it together. We have to be serving together and we learn in the process of doing. Does that make sense? Too often, we want to stick people in a classroom and give them good information and expect that they're going to go do it. We talked about this last week with with the idea of growing. But too often, good information doesn't lead to good application. And so the answer is we have to get out there and do it together. It's the rabbinical model, right? Jesus was a rabbi, and he called disciples to follow him. This whole idea of following Jesus is that we're, we're going on a journey with our teacher, and we're learning as we go through and do life together. The way that we learn is by doing, and we, in the process of doing, we learn what God is wanting us to understand along the way. Every person at Faith Covenant Church, at every stage of life, can have something significant to do as a part of their own discipleship journey with Jesus. When I was back in seminary, I took a class on uh, church planting. And one of the things that, that I learned in that class that has stuck with me, that I think ties in right uh, specifically with this model, is, is the professor said, as you think about going out and, and sharing the good news with people who don't know Jesus, you have to remember that what you win them with is what you win them to. Now think about that for a minute. What you win them with is what you win them to. If we start from the perspective that, that winning people to Jesus is about getting them to come to a building, to sit in a seat, to hear good information, and then to go back into their life and, and not have any transformation of how they live their lives 24-7 outside of Sunday morning, which is what most of us do in our lives often, then we're winning them to an experience of Christianity that is all about being a receiver of information, but we're not training them from the very beginning that Christianity is really all about being a doer of the information that we've been given from God. If we want to win people to a transforming lifestyle of discipleship to Jesus, then we need to be living and modeling that lifestyle outside of these four walls on Sunday morning and inviting people to share that lifestyle that we live out there in the world. That's what our vision statement is really all about. If you think about it again, we're talking about living a real life together as a faith community out there in the world, sharing our homes, sharing our dinner tables, going out and serving the needs of our community together, and then inviting people who don't know Jesus to join us in that lifestyle. When and if they might decide to show up at church on Sunday morning to worship and celebrate what God is doing during the week, hey, we are all for that. But often, coming to church on Sunday morning might be the second step or the third step or the tenth step in their own journey of exposure to Faith Covenant Church because we're inviting them into our lives and into our homes. And that's really the way the early church grew, if you think about the history. It was was a a, a community of people whose lives were transformed by this idea that, that this Messiah who died, who rose again, and who had given them the gift of the Holy Spirit had empowered them to live an entire new lifestyle that was all about sharing life together in community. Real life together, connecting and growing and serving can't happen one hour a week on Sunday morning here in this building. It has to happen out there during the week in our own lives and in our workplaces and in our schools and in our relationships. It's a lifestyle of ongoing discipleship to Jesus where everyone is invited and everyone matters and everyone is equally involved in the process. 
They're saying that the millennial generation is perhaps one of the most resistant generations to organized religion. They just have no interest in church or in organized religion. It's, it's you know, been there, done that. What, what they're about is they're about wanting to experience life. You know, they they want to have a spirituality that, that has teeth to it. They, they, they want to know that, that if something is true, it makes a difference in their lives and it makes a difference in their relationships. That even impacts the way people give money to churches these days. Older people give to the, to the church because they believe in the institution and they want to support the institution. They say younger people don't give to institutions, they give to causes. That they'll give money, but they want to know that their money is not going to support some pastor's salary or some you know, uh, institutional kind of system. They want to know that it's going to make a real difference in real people's lives. And so we have to be very careful that we don't write off the new generation too quickly and assume that their values don't match up with our values, and so they're not interested in faith matters anymore. We have to speak a whole new language, and perhaps begin to allow them to teach us where we've gotten off track and allowed our own faith to begin to be boxed up into an institutionalized form of Christianity that doesn't actually live out what it says anymore in the world. The very people who are supposed to know and understand God in this story that Jesus tells are the very ones who, because of their own religious convictions, step by and walk by the man in need on the other side of the road. See, Jesus wants to know it's not about how religious you are. It's about how sold out you are for God. And those are two very different things. Questions we need to be asking as a church. If we are truly convicted that discipleship isn't one of the things that we do as a church, but it's the one thing that we do, and everything that we do is about discipleship to Jesus, how does everything that we do contribute to preparing people to serve others in their own lives is a key part of their own discipleship. How are we equipping and training and helping people to understand that they have a call in their life from God? Are we doing that? And and if so, how do we help people to celebrate and, 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 and know that God wants to use them to make a difference in the world? How are we modeling for our kids and our families, to this next generation of leaders, that, that Christianity is so much more than just an institution. It's, it's about discipleship to Jesus and that they have gifts and, and can make a difference in the lives of people if, if they're willing to, to, to walk with Jesus. Are we able to walk with them and coach them in that and release them into a lifestyle of ministry in their own lives? And maybe when the rubber meets the road for each one of us, and I know this is true for me, and so I am telling you this morning, I am preaching to the choir. (laughs) I am preaching to the lead pastor this morning. How are you serving your neighbors right now? Or are you? Because I can tell you honestly, and I say this to my guilt and shame, I'm not. I am not serving my literal neighbors I'm serving you all. I'm, I'm caught up in the, the work of the church and the ministry, and I have wonderful relationships and community around me, but I haven't had time or energy to even think about stepping across the street and building a relationship with my neighbors. And, and, and one of the things that, that I'm doing as a, as a discipline, and it was a, it was a tough decision, and Dick can testify to this because we went back and forth, uh, the, the covenant 
is offering a two-year cohort for pastors called evangelism. It's an evangelism cohort where the challenge is to sit with other pastors and say, how do we actually live out evangelism in our lives as pastors? Because I guarantee you, most pastors aren't doing it either. You see, this is where the rubber meets the road for us as Christians in the 21st century, people. Church has become so much about us and not about Jesus and the mission that he's given us. And so much of our time and energy in church can be about programming and events and having music that we listen to and that we like and whether the volume is good enough for us or or whether the instruments that we're using are what we want. All the while, we see the demographic numbers, the number of people who believe in Jesus and who go to church are going down and down or up and up and up, right? The number of people who go to church is down and down and down. We are losing the cultural. We've lost the cultural battle. And so now the question is, are we willing as Christians to humble ourselves and from a position of service come to a culture that doesn't believe in Jesus, that doesn't value what we value, and learn how to love them well rather than criticizing them and beating them up because they don't believe what we believe? See, I I think we've come back to the first century. We've come back to to being living in an oppressive culture that doesn't believe what we believe, and we have to come from the perspective of how do we demonstrate that Jesus is alive, that God's love is real, and show people through our action and our unity together as Christians that what we believe is real and true. Because the other thing they say about the millennial generation is is you can say, well, we believe because the Bible says it, but they don't believe the Bible is God's word. So what value does that have? We have to become the Bible for a new generation. We have to live out what we say we believe, and then people will believe because they see it and they experience it in their relationship with those who call themselves followers of Jesus Christ. These are important questions that we'll be pursuing as we explore, with God's help, how we can be living into the mission and the vision of living a real life together in the future. As we connect with one another, and as we grow in our own faith, and as we step out to serve those that God would call us to serve on this journey of faith that we've been called to live together, it is my hope and it is my prayer that you and I will experience God in a, in a powerful new way. So that not only will it be risky and messy and scary, but it'll be joy-filled and exciting because we will see the power of God at work in our church and in our community because of our willingness to step out and say yes to Jesus, to go across the street and to help those who are in desperate need of God's mercy and his love and his grace, just like each one of us are. Amen? Let's pray. God, this is a, this is a hard one for us. We love to share the truth that we know that you have called us to love our neighbor as ourselves, And yet, Truth be told, if we're honest with ourselves, God, this might be the hardest command to live out. Forgive us for the ways that we have shrunk back in fear. Forgive us the ways that we've allowed division to creep in, even within the church community. Help us to understand that our unity together, coming together from people of every nation and tribe and creed and tongue, 
of all economic statuses, our unity of sharing life together is a, a huge part of the message to a lost and a hurting world that you have called us to give up our own wants and our own preferences, our own comforts for the sake of a bigger vision to share the good news of Jesus Christ with the lost and the hurting world. And God, as we open ourselves to this new future that you've given us, we ask that you would anoint us with your spirit because we know that we can't do it in our own strength. We can't do it without you. Unless you go ahead of us, we cannot hope to accomplish the mission and the vision that you've given us to pursue as followers of Christ and as your church in this place. We thank you for your blessing on our lives and we ask that you would allow us to be a blessing to those around us. We ask this in Jesus' name.